This is Transistor.fm. Hey, folks. So many of you responded to Clubhouse sponsoring this podcast that they sponsored another month. So it's it's official, folks. We, we are all using it now. And if you're not using it now, that means yeah, you should. You should try it out. Clubhouse.io slash build. It is project management software for software developers. That's a delight to use. Check it out. Get two months free. Clubhouse.io slash build. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Build Your SaaS. This is the behind-the-scenes story of building a web app in 2019. I'm John Buda, a software engineer. And I'm Justin Jackson. I do product and marketing. Follow along as we build Transistor.fm. So, John, we are home from Portland. We are home from Portland. Uh, How long ago was that? (laughs) How long ago was that? What, What day is it? Today is May 6th. It's Monday. Yeah, it's been about a week or so. Man, it feels. How does it? What does it feel like for you? I feel. I don't know. It feels like it wasn't that long ago. If you had to ask me, I'd have been like, ah, oh, maybe like okay. three or four days ago. Okay, for me, it feels like it was about like a month ago. Oh. <laughs> it must be the week I'm having. Oh uh, man! So you've had a month's worth of stuff. In uh, it just feels like it. Yeah. That's not. It's not a great feeling. Yeah. See, I got. Maybe I don't. Maybe, I don't know. It's. I don't know how long it feels. Maybe not a month, but like it. I don't know. The, you get back to the normal day to day, and you're like the energy gets sucked out of it, sort of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, in a way that makes it feel really long. Yeah, I think you had a hard time because you would take some other time off, and then you had this, and then yeah. it's just like you're coming back. Yeah, there were some other things that kind of happened uh, at the normal job that sort of threw a wrench into things a little bit. Um, so yeah, it's been, uh, yeah, it's been a time. It's, it's been, been a time. time. I think it's been a time. You know, this is a, the, it's a little bit unfair for me to talk at this point because right now things are just kind of okay. Um, meaning I'm not like suffering right now. I think if I had no money, I would be in a lot grumpier, <laughs> but yeah. right now, you know, I, I have enough money to pay my bills and there is something about that life that is very nice. And actually, I think this is something that came up again. People were, were we were talking about growth, like how big of a company do you want to grow? Right. And when people ask me that question, I'm always like, I don't know, like if, if it could just be John and I the rest of our lives, I'd be okay with that. And because it feels like if you grow, there's just complexity. All of a sudden you need meetings. All of a sudden, you know, you have to hire people. And and I'm not necessarily opposed to all that, but this life I have right now is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely worth uh, considering and thinking about. Like, you don't necessarily... Yeah, it's you don't want it to change. I mean, it's we obviously wanted to grow more. Mm-hmm. Um, the question is how much. Yeah, obviously in the beginning, everybody is. I everyone has this kind of picture of how they want it to be, and it is rarely that way. Right. But there is something about 
when you tip that scale, like there's this this time where it happens where you, you know, you tip the scale and all of a sudden you have to grow your team, you have to grow the levels of management, you have to grow your processes, you have to grow like everything. And managing all that complexity is just, it's just exhausting to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think it can be. I think, I think it may not be if you find the right people. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I understand. Yeah. I see where you're coming from. I think it definitely could be. And some of this is, um, my friend Paul Jarvis rubbing off on me. Uh, he's, he's a bit, he's the author of a book called company of one and Mm -hmm. he has, you know, a lot to say. He basically is a, a solo person company and he, he just says, well, this life works really well for me. And so the idea of growing for growth, just for growth's sake, is not appealing to him. And I think we would agree with that too. Like the idea of just growing just to grow is not necessarily very exciting to us. No. And I think, uh, you know, we talked about it a little bit in Portland, but I think it's important to sort of keep in the back of your mind, like what we're doing this for. Mm hmm why we're doing it. I don't think, I don't think either of us are necessarily doing it for money Mm -hmm. like per se, like we're not doing it to get rich. Yeah. Like people, like we want to get paid. It's a thing we enjoy doing and, and we want people to use it and get some benefit out of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, and along the way help us to, you know, pay our bills and be able to live our lives, but we're not grow this thing huge and go IPO or sell it to someone. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now here's an interesting question. <laughs> so I, I texted my wife the other day. We, we just got a really big customer that is a really well-known YouTuber. Mm-hmm. He has about 14 million subscribers on his YouTube channel and her, and then I'm meeting on Wednesday with a big media exec from okay. one of the world's biggest companies <laughs> And so, you know, I told her both of these things back to back and she's just like, immediately she's like, oh my God, you're going to get like, someone's going to come and buy you, right? Like that's her thought. And there's all the Spotify. It seems like every week Spotify is announcing. Uh, I suppose it's certainly, that's still a possibility. No, but here's the question. Because she's like, so she said, so if someone offered you and John $5 million, like two and a half each, would you take it? And I said, well, and she's like, you wouldn't take two and a half million dollars. And I thought, well, I don't know. Like, it depends on what came along with that. You know, do I have to go work for somebody? Right. Half that's going to the government. You might have to go work for the people. (laughs) Yeah. And so at the end of the day. Yeah. So what? So, okay. So that's the question. Two and a half million. What would you say? It's two and a half million to you, two and a half million to me. Would you be like, "Mm," or would you be like? Yes, for sure. What what would your reaction be? Oh, that's so hard to I don't know. I'd probably lean towards yes, but it wouldn't be an immediate yes. Okay. Like you'd probably take the money. Probably. I mean, this is what I said to Although her. Although I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, it's hard. Because <laughs> I've never I've never been in that position. I don't know. I mean, I've never done it to I've never built something and do that. Yeah. It's hard, isn't it? I so, Yeah, so what did you I don't yeah, I don't know. What did you say? I reacted the same way. I said in some ways, it's an unfair question because I've never been in that position before. And if someone yeah. offered like that two and a half million dollars for me is more than I've 
ever had in my bank account. Right. And, you know, in Canada, <laughs> in Canada, what would my, what would I get taxed on that? I like the U S is probably like 40%. It's a lot. Oh yeah. No, I think, I think I would only, I mean, that's a good question, but I think I would only get taxed 15% on that if I paid it out in okay. dividends. So, you know, I'd lose 375,000. So it's still, you know, over $2 million. I've just never had that kind of money before. Right. And so I, it's, it is hard to think about it, but she's, she was surprised by how slow I was to go, ah, I don't know. The thing I think about is like, okay, so you get the money and then what do you do? Yes. You turn around and you would try to build something else. And if you like the thing you're building and you don't have any other ideas, then what, like, what? <laughs> well, this is what I said to her too. And she, and she was surprised by this. I said, I actually think the ideal situation to be in is to be constantly working on something you love and constantly making progress on something you love, but never getting to the end. <laughs> and she was like, what? <laughs> she said, that sounds terrible. I'm like, but that's life. Like when you, when you have something that you love to work on and you're making it better every single day and there's people who are using it, they get lots of value out of yeah. it. Yeah. And you get to wake up and do that every single day. That's true. But there's also days where it's terrible and frustrating. <laughs> like we can talk about it later. <laughs> Uh, that's a good set. That, that's a that, good segue. It makes me think otherwise. So, like, yeah, that's that's a big difference between I think like building software and let's say another thing I enjoy doing, which is like baking bread. Mm-hmm. It's like you do the thing and the bread is done, and then you eat it, and that's it. Yeah, like, but you're always going to bake another loaf of bread. That's true. And you're going to try to work on. You're trying to going to try to like make better bread or whatever. But yeah, and and if you're and if you're making sourdough that culture lives forever that's true you don't want to kill it so i don't know i think i think i think making sourdough and making software is the same i don't i don't think that metaphor works there was a book about that actually no well sort of i think it was called sourdough sourdough and the art of software maintenance it was a weird i we can we'll add it to the show notes i think it was called sourdough i read it um it wasn't great but it was fun and it was like this this girl that lived in San Francisco that started making sourdough, but like the sourdough culture like sort of came alive <laughs> and it was like sentient in some way. <laughs> it was pretty fun. Okay. I got to read this. It was fun. I would have never thought that there was like a sourdough, uh, fiction, <laughs> but I feel like, I think she was a software developer. I think, I feel like there was some overlap with like making sourdough bread and being a software developer. I don't know. So General Dexterity, a robotics company in San Francisco, burns out its bright young employee. Yes. And then, okay, yeah, I'll put this in. Sourdough, a novel. I'll put this in. I'll put this in the show. I would say it was great, but it was fun. (laughs) Oh, this is awesome. Uh, So you you alluded to the fact that you're not having the best week with Transistor. Well, maybe tell us what's going on. So one of the things we talked about and I, I had started in Portland was, I forget what kicked this off. I think it was the whole, this thing with Luminary, which is this new podcast app that everyone's sort of like. Angry about. Uh, there's a lot of negative uh, energy and feedback on it, which I, you know, I kind of agree with. Mm-hmm. They they had a, a really bad launch week. Yeah. Um. Anyway, there was 
looking into that, there was some stuff that happened with like how they ingest podcasts that they don't, that they're not the creators of and how they sort of, that feeds back to other platforms like analytics. They were sort of like hiding a bunch of information from these other platforms. Uh, and in that we did some research into our analytics and I sort of noticed a number of things. Uh, I think we had a customer that was like, why, why is my like chart that says like other as the app that's being used to download it? Why is it so big? Yeah. And it turns out we had, um, in our analytics logic, we were missing some, uh, we were missing like removal of a bunch of bots and things that were like not legitimate downloads. Yeah. So, and so, so we needed to clean that stuff up, right? Like, cause people have listener stats and we're doing the best we can to make those, um, as accurate as we can. Right. And really the only information we have to go on is the IP address of the person at the time they download it and what, is, what, what they call the user agent string of the application or web browser that, that is downloaded, that's downloaded, the application that's downloading the, uh, at the MP3, which is like, you know, it's like Chrome version, whatever on Mac OS, or let's say like overcast on iOS or something like that. That's the user, like it basically identifies what's downloading it. Yeah. And if you've ever worked in the email service provider industry, you know what it's like to have to constantly figure out where are these user agents coming from? Like, here's a new one. Someone starts a new email, uh, a new email client like Superhuman or something, and they've got their own user agent uh, header, right? Yeah. And so then you have to somehow figure out who are these folks, and is there like there might be Superhuman Android, Superhuman uh, iOS? Like, it can get messy. Or there's like, or there's like Superhuman Indexer, which is like a bot that just runs the background, and indexes stuff, mm-hmm. it isn't an actual download. Yeah. So this list of stuff is always being updated. There's always new apps. We actually discovered a new one, which maybe we can talk about and link to later, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. The uh, Bullhorn. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, so in this whole thing, uh, you know, we found out that like our analytics were not as accurate as we wanted. And I wrote a bunch of code to like go through and sort of remove downloads that were basically, they weren't really real. Mm-hmm. They weren't like, probably were not a person listening to this stuff. Yeah. And in that, so we have to like, there's a lot of just a lot of work to regenerate uh, and kind of like re-index all this stuff, mm-hmm. and it takes a lot of time. And why does it take? So, why does it take so much time? What what's involved in it? So we have a table that uh, in our database uh, we use Postgres that tracks basically each download, each individual download that is legitimate mm-hmm. or we deem as legitimate. Um, so we don't record ones that are, you know, a, a bot or some other like obviously unidentif- unidentifiable source. Yeah. Um, that that table is grow it grows every day. Um, right now it's like thirteen million rows. Okay. It grows all the time, which is which is big, but it's not massive. Okay. Like, compared to other, there's people that work with like much much bigger data sets. What's the biggest table you've ever seen? Uh. This is up there. Um, I mean, I generally haven't worked at companies that have like massive, massive data sets like this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that 
download stuff, it's so frequent. The rows of data are small. Yeah. But there's a lot of them. But with these databases like Postgres, which is a relational database, you have to you have to like add index indices and indexes to 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 data so it can be looked up easier and like referenced quicker. Yeah. Um and I think there's just some intricacies with Postgres that I'm not entirely familiar with to speed up some of this stuff. So I think I'm missing it's probably a small change. Like, and what's the problem? Like, these things just take a long time to run, or well, it's like, yeah, it takes a long time to loop to loop through these data sets with different types of criteria. So you're basically saying, like, show me all the downloads for this episode or this show, or uh, all the downloads between this date and this date. The database itself, you give it, you know, either an episode ID or a show ID or a range of dates that, to look up. And it has to know how to find those rows of data and then add everything together. So it's either either there's an index in place that makes that faster or it's like scanning every row, which takes forever. In the meantime, there's other things happening in the app that's looking up data or or like inserting data into the database. Gotcha. And all these things sort of like... Uh, they can like kind of pile up, I guess. Yeah, and, and there's some sort of queue or something? There's a queue, yeah. Um, and along with that, so we're basically looping through the downloads, like re-identifying them as a particular like application or removing it entirely if it's, if it's something that we don't want to keep, like a bot. Yeah. Uh, and then deleting the ones that we don't want. And then on top of that, I have, you know, this other data set that's basically like, downloads per day per episode okay that's sort of like i combine all of the downloads into like a smaller data set that we can like add up and loop through quicker but in looping through all of the normal downloads like in order to group those back together um you're basically like deleting more rows and adding inserting more rows it's a lot of it's a lot it's like a lot of things at once (laughs) uh so a, a friend of mine, I, I have some questions out uh, to like a friend of a friend who who knows a lot about databases. It's not necessarily my expertise, but like there's a bunch of different ways to go about. There's like special databases just for like time series data mm-hmm. that can do this stuff faster. Um, I did update things a bit to like cache a lot of analytics um, behind the scenes. So like kind of like preloading data for people. Yeah. So what what questions did you ask the friend of a friend? Like what are you Well, it's like for? you can there there's ways to uh to have a database query and then in Postgres itself you can sort of run these queries that explain how the system itself is looking up the data and if it's using an index that you wrote uh and how slow it's going to be. And then people that are really good at this stuff can look at that explanation of what's going on and be like, oh, you're missing this thing. Or you're, I would do it this way, like change, change around your database query and like this will, it'll operate differently and be, you know, a hundred times faster or something. Yeah, yeah. It's like, that's the crazy thing about this stuff is that when you're using something like Rails or probably Django or these other um, web frameworks, they sort of obscure the actual database queries. And 
like you don't really learn the nitty gritty of how how these things operate. So like really small changes to how you query your data can make it can like you know change things like a hundredfold. Yeah, it can mess stuff up. Yeah, or or improve it. Yes, yes, yeah. So the answer is we need to to uh, to shard the database. Possibly. <laughs> yes, we need. <laughs> Yeah, it could be. That's like a, that's a typical business move. I I just I just yeah. threw in something I'd heard at one point yep. and <laughs> yeah. So the solution, what? Hey, why don't you just try sharding the database, John? <laughs> that's a new character. That's that's management Bill. <laughs> management Bill. Where's where's he from? Texas. He's, from, he's yeah somewhere somewhere in the south. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so on the bright side, uh, analytics will be much more accurate. Yeah. And we might improve our database knowledge. Eh, It's true. Yeah. You learn, you learn some things along the way. I don't think it's necessarily like, it's not affecting the day to day on the site. Yeah. Right now. It's just more, mostly frustrating for me. Yeah. And, (laughs) and we're still collecting the right data. It's just that, um, yeah. 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 We're not losing any data. Um, it's all being collected. We're just kind of rearranging it. Yeah. Grouping things together in different ways. Well, you know who doesn't have to worry about databases? Balsamic. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, they probably have to worry about it now. But the original version of Balsamic, desktop app, you know, built in Adobe Air or something. Wow. That's the dream. But uh, once again, they've sponsored this month of our show. But instead of doing an ad today, they want me to share some advice that might be useful. And actually, John, I think you might be interested in this. So it's something that Balsamic's founder, my friend Pelly, did when he first started. And it's kind of a Jedi mind trick. When you're thinking about whether you should quit your job and like go full time on a project. I know a lot of devs that are in, this is, this is a very common place to be. So he was in this position and he was terrified. You know, he knows that nine out of 10 startups fail. And he was pretty much convinced that if he made that jump to just focusing on balsamic, he'd be making a huge mistake. But he still wanted to. So this is the Jedi mind trick. He reframed his definition of success. Instead of wanting to make a certain amount of money, he said, my goal is to spend a year or two, if I can, learning as much as possible about what it's like to start a software company. Whether the company succeeds or not financially, I will have learned what to do and what not to do. And this way, I can't lose. That was kind of a sense. And so it was reframing the goal in this way. That's what gave him the courage to quit. I think he was working for Adobe at the time. And so he was just like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then he felt like he could take on each new challenge as a learning opportunity, not to like as something to fear, but something to welcome. And this is actually, you know, Stoic philosophy is really big right now. This is what the Stoic philosophers call reframing the problem. It's like an ancient mind hack. So, folks out there, you can try it and tell Peldy if it, if it worked for you. You can actually find him at balsamic.com slash giving back slash office hours. That's balsamic with a Q. Or you can reach out to them on Twitter at balsamic. You know, tell them if this was helpful. And I could see how it'd be helpful. I think um, one one thing for for me though is that I'm like this is like my hail mary. 
this is like this is like my rocky moment you know i'm i'm old and haggard this is like this has got to work or it's that's it there's <laughs> i'm 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 like in rocky i'm i'm on rocky 5 of my of my series you know there's not too many more movies after this or is there there is well there's yeah there was how many rocky movies is there uh well Oh six, wow! Six plus Creed and Creed Two. Oh wow! Okay. There was Rocky Balboa, which was like six when he's like super old. Oh yeah! And then he trains this other guy. Then he in Creed. Yeah. Then he then he he trains the son of Apollo Creed. Yeah, those are good movies. Yeah, it's true. Okay, so he actually after Rocky Five, he had he had more in him. Yeah, there's a lot of life left. <laughs> I mean, if Sylvester Stallone can do that since yeah. 1976, he's, he's making he's making another Rambo movie. Oh yeah, that's true. Is, he had he's making another Rambo. He's making another Rambo. Oh my! I mean, I was I never really got into Rambo, but I anyway. Yeah. Your, your analogy is yeah yeah it's it breaks down. There's still hope for me. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. thanks to Balsamic. Um. And, uh, okay, yeah, anything else you want to say about that, about all that database stuff? Nah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, it, it's an interesting, it's like, I want to learn more about it, but there are, like, DBAs, database administrators, that, like, that's what they, that's all they do. Mm-hmm. And there's, I think it's one of the things about, let's say being like a solo developer on a project is that you have to know such a wide range of things, but not necessarily be a mate like great at any of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's, it's empowering, but it's like once you get to a certain point, it's like really frustrating. Yes. To not just be like, I want to know all there is to know about this, but like there's books about Postgres that are, you know, 500 pages long. Yeah. Like, yeah. At what point do we just get someone in that can do this? Right. It's like, who do I hire or like ask questions to mm-hmm. that just, they can look at a thing and just know the answer immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Rather, exactly. rather than me spending, you know, multiple days on it, which, you know, I'll come out learning something, but I would have learned the same thing having paid someone to tell me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, that's a good point. I think one of our superpowers and one of the benefits of building something in public is how willing people are to help. And so, and I'm not saying we're going to rely on this exclusively. We hire people. We hire Chris Ends to edit our show. We yeah. hired Adam Clark to build yeah. our marketing website. Um, you know, we we are fine to pay people for their expertise. But on the other hand, we also get tons of great advice and help uh, like that whole user agent um, repo that we found, yeah, that came from Dave Zorob. Zorob, yeah, who we, yeah, we can we can link to it. So people can just take a look at it. Um, uh, yeah, the the people at PRX, which is the public radio exchange in the, I think it's in the, yeah, it's in part of the, it's in the U.S. It's part of like public radio. Um, they have a, a GitHub repository that people contribute to, and just like add new user agents and like identify you know apps that are places that might be bots or whatever and it's like i didn't know it existed it's, it was hugely helpful mm-hmm. yeah i had been you know building something along those lines but it wasn't nearly as um 
fleshed out or whatever accurate, I guess. So having having that be public is it's kind of amazing. Yeah, and super helpful. That's uh, Dave from Chartable that that let us know about that. Uh, so there there is kind of you know some people you know they're just really good at a bunch of technical things, and I think one thing that's been helpful for me is to realize I'm not going to be good at everything. Number one, I'm not going to be good in the same way that other people are good. Mm-hmm. And number three, my way of learning, my way of making progress is going to be uniquely me because I am different, right? Right. And so like one of the things I'm good at is if I have a question, I will reach out into my network and I will just ask everybody I know until I get some answers. And, um, you know, other people might be, you know, maybe they've read the 500 page Postgres book and they can just do it themselves and that's their superpower. But I think recognizing kind of what the unique attributes and characteristics of founder of the founders are, and then working within those things, right? right. Like it's fine for you to say, I'm never going to be an expert DBA. <laughs> yeah. Not my uh, not my goal in life. Not your goal in life. It's in, I will say it's interesting to me, and like there's a, there's a part of me as a problem solver. I guess it's it's kind of similar to let's say like DevOps or like setting up a infrastructure to to like run the app in production. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting interesting to me, and like when I start doing it, I really want to like I. I want to do it right, and it's frustrating that I when I can't. Mm-hmm. But I also kind of like have to, you know, know my limits and say that like this is not, this is not my expertise. And at a certain point, you know, like we're, like we said before, like we we're not necessarily going to grow the company huge, but like man, there might be a point where we hire someone to do some of that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, that's it. And if you folks, if anyone out there is like super passionate about Postgres and uh, Redis and all that stuff. Um, yeah. And you, you just feel free to, to let or us know your ideas. Suggest, other suggestions for, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. Databases exactly. that, that for like time series data and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, reach out. Uh, we are at transistor FM on Twitter. Um, one thing I didn't put in show notes, but I think I should mention is we got back from Portland one of the things we did in Portland was I kind of bemoaned the fact that our marketing website is really, really slow. Um, and I think actually our marketing website has two problems. Um, one is it's not exactly set up the way I would like as a writer. Mm-hmm. And I think also, you know, when we launched Transistor, uh, we still didn't really know what it was going to be. But now I think I have a better sense of that. And, you know, I want a writing environment and a publishing environment where I can really communicate, this is who we are as a company. This is who John and I are. This is what we believe. These are our values. These, this is the way we want to show ourselves. And I just feel like the way the website's set up is just not ideal for that. This, and, and I'm not like super excited to like write new stuff for it. Um, I have been, but it, 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 it almost feels like I've been writing content just for the sake of writing content. It's like, it's kind of like 
I, I never want to do quote unquote content marketing. Like I just want to write really good personal stuff that's helpful. And I don't want it to feel like it's bland or generic or, uh, yeah. You know what? Do you kind of get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so, uh, and if you look at my personal website, justinjackson.ca, it is just, it is, that's like my ideal everything. Uh, my buddy Jack McDade built it for me. It, everything looks like it came out of a photocopier. I want the whole website to feel like a zine, you know, like an old punk rock zine. I love writing and publishing on that site. And when I write words on that site, all of the kind of stuff around it, like the design and the feel and all these things that we think shouldn't matter, but really do. Like when I click publish and I know that the design and aesthetic and everything is me, it just makes me feel like writing and writing a certain way. Does any of this make sense? It does, yeah. Okay, so that's the first part. And the second thing that's been bugging me is that the site is just slow. So if you use Google Page Speed Insights or whatever, I think our mm. mobile score is like 23 and our mm. desktop score is like 74. And that's after I've done all of the stuff you can do in WordPress with like yeah. caching and all that stuff. Yeah, that was surprising to me. Um, even after all the caching, like I, I think it just is sort of a, it's not necessarily because of WordPress, but I think it's just sort of like because of some of the plugins and all like the JavaScript they inject and these extra files that need to load in the background and like. Yeah. And I think in some ways the way WordPress is set up, um, the it loads everything on every page. So like there's certain assets that really you shouldn't only need to load on certain pages, but it's loading everything every single time. Uh, every, you know, JavaScript library, every CSS style sheet, even if like we don't need that style sheet for this page, doesn't matter. We got to load it. And so uh, that, that's been frustrating too, because I'm, I really think that search engine optimization is going to be big for us. Like having our website optimized for search and Google said that page speed scores matter a lot. Right. Yep. So, and again, we could probably go down, like, I think it wouldn't be as big of an issue, but on your side, you just don't really like working with WordPress. You just, I just find it easier and to, it, to me, it's like really hard to edit the templates mm-hmm. and the CSS and like to build the site we have now, I don't think would have been terribly difficult for me if it wasn't in WordPress and we hadn't used this sort of like WYSIWYG editor and it's like I'm fighting with that and I just want to write some CSS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like I, I understand your viewpoint on a lot of like the SEO plugins that, that do give you a lot of like helpful feedback. Although I, I just had interesting interaction on Twitter where this guy, uh, Brendan Hufford that I know who's really good at search says that, that Yoast plugin I use, he says, none of those things matter. <laughs> like, like all those things that it has a little, like a little green indicator that shows you like when you're in the sweet spot, he says, I don't think that stuff matters. Um, and so there's, uh, there maybe what's been holding me to WordPress. The, the nice thing as someone who has been in marketing is that when you have a team of people and the developers build some 
bullshit CMS that's only they can edit. The marketers hate that because we we just can't get in. We can't we can't do anything. And right. so WordPress is a system we know, and it's like easy for us to edit. It's easy for us to add functionality, and it often will free up a lot of developer time. But I think now, especially that my personal site is on Statomic, which is a, a Laravel-based CMS, um, I've kind of seen that there's something else that's possible. Right. And there's been a bunch of stuff that switching to Statomic has been super nice. Um, one is that it saves everything as a flat file. So, you know, if the database gets corrupted, all my blog posts aren't gone. They're all in these flat files that I can edit easily. You can back them up. Every time I make change to the content, it it creates a um it it changes it in Git. So I actually have a Git history for all of my blog posts and stuff. Really helpful. And um yeah, so I, anyway, I you had introduced me to this uh CMS by your friend Scott Robin called Vapid. And so I I wasn't sure if we were going to use it or not, but I thought when I got home I'm going to just start experimenting with it. And it was really interesting. Uh, I'll, I'll link to the video in the show notes. Uh, that's saas.transistor.fm slash 57 and uh, vapid.com. Vapid as in rapid.com. Um, really cool idea. You actually kind of build your own CMS dashboard as you edit the HTML, yeah, it's a it's a cool idea. He did a, he did a really good job with that. Actually, I I talked to him um, after you recorded that video, mm-hmm. um, and he was like he he really enjoyed he really enjoyed doing it. He was like that was that was great. He was like, <laughs> you know, I got a lot out of it. Um, you know, he's like it. It's so much different, like watching someone using it live and like. The thing he said to me was, so he has documentation about it, and you were like sort of going over the documentation, and you would like, you know, tear it apart a bit or like ask questions, right? Yeah. Um. So what he said is like, he wrote the documentation as if someone would read it from like front to back, but the way you did, you were like jumping around and like you, you built it and you were trying to build the site in such a way where you're just like searching through the documentation like kind of willy nilly and like. You weren't like reading it from chapter one to 10. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's kind of the, the whole idea behind those is that I'm just an idiot and I'm just trying to figure it out. And so I'm asking dumb questions that, you know, maybe someone more technical wouldn't be asking. But the benefit, I did this for Jack at Statomic as well. Uh, the benefit I think for them is that when you have the dumbest person on earth going through your docs, they just ask a lot of questions and, um, you know, maybe you can edit some of those. So, uh, so yeah, I, it was cool to check it out. Uh, the one thing I'm still unsure about for our site is that it, I think it would be really cool for like, if you were building a site for a client and you just wanted to build a really easy admin for them, um, I, I'm worried about how like robust it's going to be for us. And the other thing is you have to, and maybe these won't be issues, um, but all of the, the you basically create these, um, these oh, what does he call them? Uh, like you can create these sections, like for blog posts, for example, and then those are stored in a SQLite, SQLite database or something. 
again, most CMSs do this. They store like things like blog posts in a database. And I know there's advantages to, to doing that. Uh, but now that I've experienced this flat file thing and just the peace yeah. of mind it gives me with knowing that it just publishes these as flat files. I, every time I, every time I update the HTML, I can just go and look at the HTML in a file and for the blog post and it's all there. There's something about that. And it's very emotional. It's not even like technically, maybe it's the, a worse solution, but it's calming. You know, it's just like, okay, I know what's going on there. I know it's okay. Everything feels okay. Yeah. Yes. I think, yeah, I, I would agree with that. It's, it's really hard to move data around when it's just like stuck in a database. Yeah. And if you've ever had to, to migrate a WordPress site from one place to the other, you just know. Yeah. It's been, it's been years, but I've done that. Yes. That, fun. that is the, so that's the one beauty part about Statomic is like migrating sites is like so freaking easy. It is just like, it's a huge weight off your shoulders. But anyway, Vapid, if you're, you should check it out. It was blazingly fast and I could not believe, actually he did a bunch of things right uh, for any developers that are out there. Uh, Number one, his command line interface which I think a lot of folks don't think about the UX of their command line interface. So enjoyable to use. Like his, the, the, like when you deploy a site, it doesn't give you pages and pages of garbage, which I know sometimes that's useful or whatever. It just like very clean, like your site's deployed. That's all I needed to know. I don't need to see anything else. Like just thank you. And if there was an error, it just gave me the error. Um, it was really, really fast if you use his hosting, like mm-hmm. amazingly fast. Uh, There's so many really cool things about it that I, I actually really enjoyed that, again, if, if I wasn't, if Transistor's marketing stuff wasn't going to be so dependent on blog posts, I would have almost been like, hmm, maybe we should just... Yeah, that's, that's one of the things he mentioned too. He's like, he's like I, don't, I don't really think it's, it's like the best option or a great option if you're going to do a lot of blogging, which, you know, I know like you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, check that out. Um, I think my next, and oh, the other cool thing is that I um, was also trying to rebuild our site with Tailwind. And actually one thing I will say about Vapid is that's the, that's the furthest I've ever got by myself with no external help, like no one calling me on Skype. And being able to, because it's so, it's HTML, like it's all right there. It made it so easy to take a framework like Tailwind. I could have taken anything, semantic or semantic UI or bootstrap, but being able to apply those styles and it's just reloading your pages locally for you super quick. Oh my God. It was just, it was really, really fun. Um, And it made me feel like I could tackle something like building a theme in Statomic myself and so that's what I'm going to try next is, uh, is that. Yeah. So yeah, we have, uh, yeah, we'll try Statomic and then uh, Gatsby maybe. Uh, try there's Gatsby. A few, there's a few options. So the Gatsby failed the Justin Jackson install test. I, <laughs> I tried, I tried. I was like, no, it doesn't work. I had like a trillion dependency errors and. Okay. Oh, but I'm not saying we shouldn't try it. I'm just saying like someone more experienced than me would have no problem with it. But I was So like, should we... Uh, what should we uh let's say we launched officially in august mm-hmm. of last year should we try to like 
relaunch a marketing site in August. Yeah, that might be good. Maybe like redesign it a bit. Yeah. Choose a platform. Yeah, totally. Get that get that Google score up. Yeah, get that Google <laughs> score up. Uh, and yeah, I think my my goal is just to kind of learn and experiment a bunch and then um, eventually I'm hoping <laughs> you're going to have more time to add your... <laughs> Eventually, your, your finesse to it. Uh, Eventually, that will happen. But I, I need you to. I want you to experiment with Tailwind when you get a chance. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, there's some other libraries I've been looking at. Uh, Bulma is one of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's actually it, there's a there's a web framework, well, a web application framework built on Bulma that has a bunch of components and uses Vue.js, which kind of want to look into. Yeah. But, yeah. Experimentation, man. That's that's yep. the name of the game. All right. Well, we're at 46 minutes. So I was going to tell you folks about what I'm doing on Instagram, but we're going to keep that for next for next time. Uh, John, we have, outside of our regular sponsors, our advertisers, I should say, so Clubhouse yeah. and, and Balsamic, outside of them, we, ha- we have over, uh, we're getting over $220 per month on Patreon. That's, that's awesome. Isn't that crazy? That, that, that is crazy. That is that, so nuts. Yeah. So our goal there was to cover our costs for editing mm-hmm. for four episodes a month, which is $320, if my math is right. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we are, we're close. we are really close. So why don't you thank the, the folks that support us on Patreon? All right. So we have, uh, do we have one new person? Yep. Me- from last, last, last time. Yeah. Miguel. Miguel uh, Pidrafita. Oh yeah, I, I, love, I love how you say it because I would have never. I was going to go Pidrafita. <laughs> <laughs> Yours is way better than mine. <laughs> you got that Italian. I think he's from. Is he Italian or? I think he's from Spain. Anyway. Yeah, that's probably Spanish. Uh, so Miguel, thanks, Miguel. Uh, Shane Smith, Austin Loveless, uh, Simon Bennett from Snapshooter, Corey Haynes. Michael Sitber, Paul Jarvis, and Jack Ellis from Fathom Analytics. My brother, Dan Buda, uh, danbuda.com. Danbuda.com. What's that built in? Uh, I don't know what he built that in. Um, Folks, you go check it out. <laughs> he, did, he did a lot of uh, React and um, I don't know. It might be Gatsby, actually. He, actually, I think he's using Gatsby. Really? He, yeah. he figured it out, hey? He did. I should just call him up. Oh, and he's... He's hosting it on Netlify. I just fig- I think I just looked yeah, into I, that too. Yeah, I think it's Gatsby. Okay. Uh, Darby Frey, who we know. Yeah, I got to meet Darby Frey in person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Samori Augusto, Dave Young, Brad from Canada, Kevin Markham, Sammy Schuchert, Dan Erickson, Mike Walker, Adam Devander, Dave Junta. Junta. Kyle Fox, uh, GetRewardful.com, and our sponsors, Clubhouse and Balsamic. Okay. Junta.com. Does that... What's going on here? Oh, Junta.com goes somewhere. Holy data. <laughs> <laughs> Junta.com goes to like some really crazy site in... Is this Japan or China? Dang. Yeah, you fo- <laughs> folks, you should go. Junta.com. J-O-O-N-T-A.com. Uh, it might install- that's, not how you, that's not how you spell his last I name. I know, but that's how I pronounce it. That's what I'm saying. Uh, that's why I think he should register it like that. I mean, he should register. register does, he, does he have Junta, doc, like his actual Junta? G-I-U-N-T-A.com. 
I think he needs both, is what I'm saying. He needs Junta, the way I say it, J-O-O-N-T-A.com, except he's going to have to buy it off this Chinese gambling site. And then Junta, his own last name. It's trying to connect, but yeah, Dave, get on it, man. Get on it before we everyone hears about it and registers oh, it for wow. you. Oh, wow. Yeah, what is going on? Oh, they still have a Flash player. <laughs> yeah, this, this, yeah, this site is... Did you enable that? No. That, that's this site probably has lots of viruses, folks. Don't 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 accept any Adobe Flash stuff here. It's something to do with the Ferrari. I don't know what. <laughs> it's like a Ferrari and then an eight ball, but the eight ball's red. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> All right, folks. We will see you next week. <laughs>